0: Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Every week I have a different guest. Sometimes they talk about their Catholic apostolate reaching out, evangelizing, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes they're converts, architects, liturgy experts, musicians, all sorts of people who are living with enthusiasm the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church and want to share it with our listeners and help our listeners to understand how their Catholic faith can be just as full and rich as God promises. Today, my guest is Kathy Schmugge. Kathy is the director of of the Office of Family Life here in my own diocese, the Diocese of Charleston, South Carolina. She gets to live in beautiful South Carolina, and she works with the bishop and with all of us to help promote family life. Kathy, welcome to More Christianity.
1: Oh, and thank you so much for asking me to come. It's such a joy to be on your program.
0: Kathy, you are one of those diocesan bureaucrats, as we say, one of those people who have a, an office in the in the chancery and you're busy doing good work for the diocese. But, you know, some people in the Catholic Church say, oh, you know, we have too many of these diocesan bureaucrats. What do they do all the time? They're pencil pushers, you know. They sit at a desk and create more paperwork for everybody to deal with. Is that true? Is that what you do? Yeah
1: actually that just couldn't be farther away from the truth of at least what our office and family life does for one thing i would have to say that my office is really a mobile unit it's a computer that can hook up to a modem and pretty much be able to travel around the states i guess i'm a coach at heart and one of the things that being a diocesan leader allows me to pull everyone together from different regions and also you know be that cheerleader and also share ideas from one region to the other so it really it's beneficial to kind of have somebody to lead and to exchange ideas with and have that common touchstone, if you will, for a particular topic. And Family Life in the Diocese of Charleston is a very comprehensive organization.
0: Well, we hear Director of the Office of Family Life, and we hear you say it's comprehensive. Let's be more specific and tell the listeners what particular kind of projects, what particular things that a diocesan office of family life might actually get involved in.
1: Well, you will see that it may differ from one diocese to the next. In our diocese, we have it combined with all the respect life issues along with the family life, so it makes it a pretty full umbrella. We take care of post-abortion ministry. We do natural family planning, the teaching of it and the promoting of natural family planning. We do marriage preparation, marriage enrichment. We work with A lot of areas that fall under the family, chastity, education, all of that just falls under our office. How to make families
0: strong. Exactly. And we rely on your office to help us to do that, to build up our families. One of the things which is most broken in our society are our families, our marriages. What are the particular things that you can do also to assist pastors and assist those in the diocese in the area of supporting those in marriages?
1: Well, one of the main things that we do is we work with the national organizations and one being the Worldwide Marriage Encounter as being one of our enrichment programs. With marriage preparation, the diocese uses several programs. Now pastors can choose whatever program they would like, but we have the ones that we support and that we help do in services to make sure that teams are trained. So we use several national programs as well as um, some that we're developing as we speak. There's just so much changing. You know, I think the entire country is sensing this need to get more proactive in the marriage preparation so that we have uh, strong marriages on the front lines.
0: Kathy, one of the things which Catholics are very often blamed for is that in this area of marriage, sexuality, family life, that Catholics are perceived as being just negative, having a big ruler in our hand and going around and scolding people and saying, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that, we're against this, we're against that. In fact, marriage is one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given the human race. We value it as a sacrament, a way to draw us closer to God, a way that God's grace is communicated to us. So how do we get the message across that the only reason we're opposed to pornography and divorce and adultery and child abuse and all these things the only reason we're opposed to all these things is because we're for marriage, and these are things which attack marriage. Is this one of the messages you're trying to communicate?
1: Absolutely. I believe in a positive message. Uh, like even chastity, Chastity's not a no, but it's a yes to God's plan. Mm-hmm. Marriage, if the church describes marriage, is where we have the greatest respect for the relationship between men and women and, res- and respecting the marital embrace as it was meant to be by God's design, and it's the only way to true happiness. So when I'm talking about the Church's teaching, I like to guide people to the fact that God created us to be happy, and we're happy following His plan, and the Catholic Church will lead you to that fulfillment and that happiness. Not that everything's going to be perfect, not that we're going to not have some suffering, because that's part of the human condition, but that God will give us all the grace to get through it and to embrace and have joy in that daily life.
0: One of the things as a pastor, which I find most heartbreaking, is when a husband or a wife intentionally set out to break their marriage. We understand marriages break down sometimes through disagreements, through unfaithfulness, for all sorts of reasons. And when they break down almost by accident— you know, one has that much more sympathy and compassion. It's difficult as a pastor sometimes, though, when I can see a husband or a wife almost—well, they do. They plan how they're going to get rid of their spouse. They plan how they're going to end their marriage, and they plan it step by step and go through with it. There's a kind of premeditated coldness to it. How do we actually support people who are already in a Catholic marriage, who— think that it's okay just to go and get a a no-fault divorce, and they don't seem to think there's anything wrong with it.
1: I think one of the really problems when I hear that is that I just don't believe that we are challenging people enough. I think that we are all equipped by the sacraments to heroic virtue and sometimes it is tough. Sometimes, you know, in a marriage it can be 50-50, but most of the time it's lopsided. I mean, and there will be times in the marriage where it will be 100-0, where you're carrying your spouse, and I think we just, as leaders, pastors, friends, family members, need to challenge one another that we are capable of doing great things with the grace of God, and that a lot of times these problems are cyclic, and if we can just allow the cycle to go, that there will be such joy and fulfillment at the end, having lived through one of these bumps in the road. As a throwaway culture, you know, everything's disposable, That we've gotten to the point that we see everything in that light, and, and people aren't disposable, and a marriage that God put together is not disposable, and we really need to give it our best effort. And I think sometimes we get discouraged, and we just rely on ourselves instead of going to God, going to the sacraments, and really asking for that virtue that God just so much wants to give us.
0: And what's most frustrating, I find, is that very often the person will be planning the, the divorce and, and, and will spend a long time, much more time planning the divorce and going through with it, putting more work into that than they're putting into, into their marriage. So often I find that process is, is being gone through by a couple, just at the very point where you want to say to them, you know, we know it's hard right now, we know it's difficult, but from our own experience, you're right on the edge of a breakthrough, if you could only see it. You're right on the edge of, of actually coming into something good here. So so hang on tight and don't give up so soon. And you're right, our society treats it all as a as a throwaway culture. And if you're tired of a marriage, get out of it if you want to. So is there any way that uh, using the actual vows of the marriage ceremony, couples should be reminded of the serious vows they took before God?
1: I'd like to use an analogy that comes from Theology of the Body that equates the marriage vow to how God loves. And we're called as Catholics, as Christians, as people of God, sons and daughters, adopted sons and daughters of God, to love as God loves. That's what our calling is— And so part of that love is shown as being full. That means I don't withhold any part of me, not my fertility, nothing. I give my spouse everything in total self-gift and receive my spouse as what he offers in this gift as himself. And we also see this free, that it's not coerced, that it's faithful. You know, we don't, give up on it. We don't add partners, whether it be through infidelity in person or through pornography, that we're faithful to the spouse that we gave those vows to, and that's God's faithful to us. So there's such great analogies between those ways in which God shows his love to us and how we're supposed to mimic it as married couples.
0: So this is why we call marriage a sacrament, Because it's through this physical means that God's grace is poured into our lives. And the marriage sacrament is one which is so profound and beautiful because St. Paul says it actually reflects Christ's love for his church. In Ephesians, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and given himself for her. So there's this, as you say, this supernatural gift within marriage. And when we break marriage, especially as Catholics, when we break it through divorce and infidelity— we're breaking something sacred, and this is something I try to get across to my people in my preaching and in my writing is to say, you know, this is not just, oh, I don't like this guy anymore, this gal, I'm tired of this gal, I want somebody new. Marriage is a precious, sacred gift from God, and to break it is it's a terrible thing. I sometimes say, look, if you go to church, would you go up to the communion elements, to the precious blood and the body of Christ? Would you take those and and spit on them and throw them out the door and trample on them? And people are shocked and say, oh, no, Father, I would never do that. And I want to say, well, then why are you trampling on the sacrament of marriage? You're listening to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Why not go over and visit my website, dwightlongenecker.com, From there, you can connect with my blog, which I update daily and follow my writings. You can be in touch. You can also connect through to listen to the archived programs of this radio show, More Christianity. You can browse my books. Go and visit DwightLongenecker.com for more information. Today, my guest is Kathy Schmugge, the director of the Office of Family Life in the Diocese of Charleston. Kathy, in the first part of the show, we were talking about the importance of marriage as a sacrament and how terrible it is when we trample on marriage through divorce and infidelity and other means of despising marriage and saying we're actually trampling on and breaking a sacred and a precious gift from God. You know, one of the beautiful things about marriage, which our society is also forgetting, is that by its very nature, marriage draws us into a family. The husband and the wife both come from a family, and as they come together, it's God's plan to bless that union with the gift of new life. Catholics are pro-life. Catholics are in favor of human life from conception to natural death. Just today here in my ministry, before I've come to the studio, I went to the hospital and said prayers of passing for a man of 93 who's at the end of his natural life. And when I'm done here in the studio, I'm going to visit another hospital to go and see little baby Sean, who's just this very day started his life. And what a joy it is to be able to be there at the beginning and the end and all through life. One of these great gifts, as I said, is the gift of children. What does the Office of Family Life, Kathy, do both to nurture the pro-life cause but also to support our children?
1: That's a big question because that's such a big part of the work of family life. Certainly, we view life as that very first and precious gift that God gives, and then certainly it is sacred from the moment of conception until natural death. So there's various programs that we do, kind of hitting the different groups. We have worked with the Youth Ministry Office to try and do two events in two different regions to gather the youth up and to educate and to invigorate and to teach them about that preciousness of life. We uh, have a very strong natural family planning program, which allows couples to, through understanding the fertility, learn and, and appreciate that special gift that God has given men and women. It's just a wonderful thing to be Catholic, to be in a faith that sees the gift of children, sees the gift of motherhood and fatherhood. Another thing that we will be doing our second year is a Mass for expectant parents, and this is where the bishop will take one region, but the pastors can do it too at any time, and do a blessing of the the young families. As they go on with their pregnancy. So, it's one of the things that we do to celebrate as a church with the bishop, you know, this, this beautiful gift of life and to see our church continue to grow with each new generation.
0: Children are most secure within the traditional family. All of the psychological surveys, all of the results and studies that have been done have shown this time and time again that a boy and a girl need a mom and a dad. And they need a mom and a dad there for the health of their psychological development, the health of their physical development, the health of their spiritual development. As a priest, one of the things which really interests me is the relationship of a child to the father and how that changes through the years and how the father's role is important, not just in the early years, but also especially at adolescence and even in early adulthood. The father is a, a great bedrock for a child. And in looking at people's spiritual lives, have you also seen, Kathy, that very often a person's relationship with their father can affect their spiritual life and their ability to have a strong relationship with God the Father?
1: Oh, I see that very clearly. It's it's funny because I just taught Confirmation this Sunday and literally showed, had they the youth, list characteristics that they liked about their father, and then put another side of the chalkboard, God, and just showing them how a parent in their best light really does mirror God the Father. So if the father's absent, that definitely hinders their development in their relationship with God the Father and really have to work on it if they haven't had that beautiful role model. The other thing that's really important to remember is the complementarity that both a mother and a father give that child that they special gifts that are feminine in the parent relationship and those special gifts that are masculine. And so that God certainly created this perfect unit for a child to be nurtured and to grow up With that complementarity, a speaker that I heard one time saying that no matter what culture, there's dads throwing the baby up in the air, which kind of shows how that dad is transcendent, you know, sends the child out, and mothers everywhere, I don't care what culture, is like going after the child with their arms like, stop. And so this ideal of the mother nurturing and the father being transcendent, that those two qualities are so very important, and that a child does do best in those environments, Sometimes that doesn't always happen, and there's divorce or loss, but these role models are very, very important in the child's life.
0: And this is why, in the Catholic understanding, when we disapprove of infidelity, of child abuse, of divorce, we always see that these things are wrong, not just because we say, oh, they're bad, we don't like those. We say they're wrong and they're bad because they hurt people. They're actually actions of violence. Furthermore, they're actions of violence against children, and they're actions of violence against the child's spiritual life. Let me explain that a little bit, and I'm sure that you'll agree that if a child has got his ability to trust wounded by being betrayed by, let's say, a father or a mother who are abusive or who go through a divorce or who let them down, then that child's ability to trust God is also impaired. And it's made more difficult for that child. Therefore, when we abuse a child in any way, through violence or emotional abuse or through divorce or through breakup or through anything which causes them to lack trust and to destroy their trust, we're actually hurting them spiritually and hurting their spiritual growth and and the health of their soul. Do you agree with that, Kathy? Does that connect? oh, Father, I
1: couldn't agree with you more. And I just had recently heard someone speaking on the children of divorce and asking, you know, that diocese look at more programs or to try to develop programs to, to help children of divorce because how it was said to me from the speaker was that the burden that the couple was going through in their disagreements now shifted once the divorce occurred and they were free of the conflict the burden now was shifted onto the children and now they have to bear it for the rest of their lives. And so yeah, I think it's really important for us to really think and work very hard to prevent divorce, to help families that are struggling. One of the things I'd like to do, and it's it's kind of a monumental project actually, to try to get our own retrovide teams started here in South Carolina. Retrovi is a program that deals and helps with couples that are really struggling in marriage near breakup. And it's often referred to as the last resort of trying to mend fences or see if there's any hope or to at least have amicable relationships between the husband and wife in the conflict. So we really like to see doing more with that and also more outreach to children of divorce because It is such a horrible burden. And then, you know, you mentioned other violence like physical violence, abuse, and all that certainly is a heavy cross. One of the things that we see is a lot of connection between post-abortion syndrome. A lot of the women that we talked to have suffered abuse earlier. A lot of uh, data shows that there is also a link between abortion and consecutive child abuse. All these problems are interconnected, and that's why I'm glad the office is connected, family life and life, because a lot of what we see are symptoms of the fact of the breakdown of the family and this loss of loving as God has asked us to love in marriage.
0: And connected with this, of course, to go into a more controversial area— Catholics say not only is family life important and is it, it's vital for the health of the child and the development of the child, it's also the, the basis for a healthy society, for a healthy community. The traditional family, again, in study after study, it's shown that the best economic unit, the most healthy psychological unit, the most healthy unit altogether for communities and for a whole society is to have the cornerstone, the building blocks of the traditional family. This is also why Catholics are standing up for traditional marriage, standing up and saying, well, no, you can't actually mess with this reality that was established right back at the very beginning in the creation of men and women. At the very beginning, God put man and woman together in marriage for the good of the human race. And therefore, this is why Catholics insist and say we can't condone the idea of same-sex marriage. While we might recognize the goodness of certain people and individuals, we say it's not your right to change this basic foundation principle of the human race. Is your office, Kathy, involved in, in that debate at all?
1: Yes, we've been a little bit involved in it in various ways, certainly by endorsing programs like Family Honor that help families at the beginning discuss what God's plan for marriage is in the beginning, because when you lay out the plan, then it's less likely that you'll get confused. I think of a lot of what we see in this entire debate with same-sex marriage is a loss of understanding of what intimacy is, and trying to make friendships into things that are sexual, and a lot of confusion in terms of uh, what to do with attractions, We are all not free to act out sexually with those who we may be attracted to or not attracted to. We have to show that kind of restraint and uh, respect for the marital act and what its purpose is, not separating the unitive and procreative meaning of the marital act. And so I think there's a lot of confusion going on, and I think that we need to do a lot more work in fostering healthy friendships and, again, propelling that idea that a child does better with a mother and a father. And that's not something that comes through the Catholic Church only, but through secular research. God's ways always are logical and smart, and we've got the data to prove it, but also that a child has a right to a mother and a father for those same reasons I gave earlier, that beautiful complementarity of what a mother brings to that child and what unique gifts the father brings to that child in relationship.
0: I'm talking to Kathy Schmuggie the Director of the Office of Family Life in the Diocese of Charleston. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and you're listening to More Christianity, the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Kathy, I'm going to touch on another topic here, which is controversial. We can't be talking about protecting children and the evils of child abuse and betraying trust without actually mentioning this great scourge and sadness in our own church This made the headlines over the last 10 or 12 years of priestly child abuse. You know, I'm saddened, as a Catholic priest myself, that so often a very few of us who are obviously sick and twisted personalities get all the headlines for the terrible things that they've been doing. Also, I'm a bit saddened that the great efforts that we've made to protect children and keep children from child abuse are very largely neglected by the mainstream media. Can you share with our listeners for just a minute the process that we have in the Diocese of Charleston in which all of the American dioceses have for the protection of our children?
1: Yes, in the Diocese of Charleston and most all dioceses use the Virtus program, and it's very comprehensive. The screening, the training, it's ongoing— from my knowledge, other groups are now coming to us to ask us how we've made such great strides and really made this topic come to the forefront, because certainly we're not in the majority, and it's such a small, small, minuscule population of the priests that have been involved in this. But by it being exposed by the secular media, a good has come out, and that is that the evils of sexual abuse have come out, and certainly we have developed checks and balances that have made our children safer all around. So I think the Catholic Church does often get the bad press in the secular media, and that's why it's so great to have programs like yours and to have the Catholic Radio to uh, allow us a voice, but that we're making great strides. And I think the fact that this scourge has come to light will save so many, and that's what we have to focus on.
0: And to be specific, you mentioned the Virtues Program. What that really means in actual fact is that every single person in the Catholic Church who will be working with children or young people have to go through a screening process and a training program to be certified to be able to do that work. Every priest, every teacher, male, female every youth worker, every CCD teacher. The program really is comprehensive, and we go to a lot of extra trouble in our parishes and our schools and across the diocese, and indeed across the whole Catholic Church in the United States and in England and elsewhere around the world to make sure as much as possible our children are kept safe. Someone said recently, the safest place for a child to be nowadays is in the Catholic Church. Is that your experience?
1: It absolutely has been my experience because it is so comprehensive. And I have to say, I would like to see more people take the program, not just those who are working in the church, but every parent, because I do remember the first time I went through the initial program and how eye-opening it was for me, because we have to remember the first line of defense will always be the parents. But yes, the Catholic Church has been such a model, although sometimes, like you say, it can be rather burdensome. It's so worth it because we know that our children are safe and we can have confidence in those who are working with our children in the different ministries.
0: The last thing I'd like to say, Kathy, about your work is there's always a spiritual dimension to all the work we do as Catholics because we're spiritual beings. And I'm encouraged in thinking about family life, the role of the father, the role of the mother in nurturing our children, that God himself came in the form of a man as Jesus Christ, and chose to come into the heart of a human family. One of my favorite paintings is the Earthly Trinity, which is by the Spanish painter Murillo, and it shows there God the Father above and the Holy Spirit looking down on the Lord Jesus, and on either side of the Lord Jesus is St. Joseph and the Blessed Mother. So, the Holy Family on Earth shows us a little picture of the Holy Trinity in heaven. Thank you very much, Kathy Schmugge, Director of the Office of Family Life in the Diocese of Charleston. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You've been listening to More Christianity.